Hello and welcome to your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast. I am Eve Kiori and this week our podcast is focusing on the crucial German elections, the possible changes in the political arena in one of the EU's big players and their importance for the EU affairs. And today, since we're talking about Germany, I am joined by Oliver Neuen from Euractive Germany, who will be my co-host for this special episode of the Beyond the Byline. Oliver, welcome. Thank you for your support and help to make this journey a bit more comprehensive for our listeners. Thank you for having me. And let's just dive into it. So Germans will vote for a new government on Sunday 26th of September and all attention is gathered there and specifically Berlin for the announcement of the results of the elections. The new government will be one without Chancellor Angela Merkel, who has been in power for 16 years. How is this big change being anticipated in Germany and why is it important for the country? Well, um, there's so many levels where this election is important. Let's um, start with the basic ones. I mean, as you already said, it's 16 years. So a lot of the electorate actually can't remember a time before Merkel, especially the ones that are younger than 30 years. Um, yeah, secondly, it, it's also um, something almost unprecedented in, in German history because it's the first time since 1949 that an incumbent chancellor is not running for office again. So this, of course, creates a huge vacuum because like um, most of the people in Germany and in, in, in Europe, although it has changed a little bit in Germany, of course, um, aren't or weren't that familiar with, 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 with the candidates. They were, a lot of them were basically unknown um, beforehand. So this, of course, um, creates a huge vacuum that's, 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 that will be created um, also in regard to Germans' position in the European Union, because nobody really knows what the new um, government will, will push for and where they will stand, um, let alone w- what the new government will be like. And what role will Angela Merkel play from now on? Is she completely retiring from politics? Um, yeah, as far as we know, um, she... Um, she is stepping down for good. And I really feel like after 16 years, it's more than, more than fair enough, yeah. Um, of course, like there they, they are like calls for her to kind of switch to the European level because she's one of the most popular politicians also in the whole of Europe. But um, from my point of view, that's unlikely to happen. I, I really feel she wants to step down and get off this political stage for good. Undeniably, she is one of the most influential politicians right now. And uh, I think her absence from decision-making will be felt not only in Germany, but also in the EU. And speaking about the EU, why are the German elections so important for the EU? And how uh, could their outcome affect EU politics? Every federal German election is important on the EU level, for obvious reasons. So Germany is not just um, the biggest country, both economically-wise and population-wise, um, but it's also having the, the greatest the greatest leverage on the European level to really push for forward um, um, legislations and initiatives. Uh, there's, there's a reason that we that we are speaking of the Franco-German engine of Europe, and um, this engine can't be running without Germany, of course. So um, when it comes to the outcome, so this is something that's completely up in the open yet, because something that's really Almost unprecedented at this scale in German history is the level of fragmentation um, that, we are, that we are expecting for the German parliament. So um, let me phrase it this way. When it comes to, to the next government, there's only one thing that's certain, and that's that the populists won't be in the next government. 
everything else is up in the open. There's so many um, coalition possibilities that nobody really knows. And um, my guess is, as yours, who will um, govern Germany in the future and what the next coalition will be like. It looks like at the moment that the Social Democrats, for instance, win. This is no guarantee that they will also have the chancellor, as maybe the CDU, who, will, who might be in second place, will form a coalition excluding the SPD. So there are lots of, of options on the table. And the outcome of the election, what it really means for Europe policy-wise and politics-wise, is um, still really hard to assess. And who is most likely to win the elections? Uh, what's the prediction and what changes can we expect? Germany is, has a proportional voting system, so there won't be any fixed majority or anything like that at election day. So what will happen is most likely the, the, the Social Democrats will have the most votes. But the most votes in this regard means around 25%, which means they need another 25%. So this leaves a lot of room for other coalition possibilities, like with the CDU, even if they come in second. Um, then, of course, there's a big question, even if the SPD will um, um, be the chancellor party, who will be in a coalition with them? So will it be the left party, which are far left, um, want to abolish NATO, are Russian friendly, but on social issues really close to the SPD? Or is it the liberals who um, completely oppose the fiscal expansionism, as they call it, of um, the SPD and the Green Party? You can find your Actives Beyond the Byline podcast in our podcast newsletter. Subscribe to it on youractive.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge on other EU policy fields, you can listen to our Digital Brief podcast and AgriFood Brief podcast. And now that we have an idea why the German elections are so important for EU politics, I think it's interesting to look a little bit more into the specifics of the elections and what can we expect. And since we're talking about the unpredictability of the electoral body, uh, Oliver, you had a very interesting interview with one of the founders of the poll aggregator Europe Elect. So over to you. Yeah, so here with me is Tobias Schminke, one of the founders of Europe Elect. Um, Europe Elect, by the way, is a partner of Euractive, so we, we are um, collaborating with them during the election right now. And um, I did an interview with him basically on the reliability of the polls and whether we are up for big surprises during election nights or basically um, most of the results are already kind of settled in stone. So, Tobias, during the, the 2017 German election, the average polling rate of the Social Democrats was three percentage points higher than their final result. This time around, three percentage points are really a lot and could be the difference between win or loss. How reliable is polling data and what are, are the margins of error? Hey, Oliver. First, thank you for having me here um, today. So generally, polling in Germany on the national level has been reliable uh, in recent years. But three thoughts on your questions in this specific election. Firstly, the Social Democrats have an inconsistent record of being over and under polled in previous elections. So we cannot just say because they were overestimated in 2017, they will be overestimated again this year. The margin of error, as you said, plays a role. And for parties of the size of the Social Democrats, it's about two and a half percentage points. So what we're seeing in the polls now could be essentially a toss up that is slightly in favor 
of the Social Democrats and the pollsters would still be able to claim that they were not wrong. The polls can be unreliable under certain circumstances, as has already been shown during the Saxony-Anhalt election, one of the um, German states, where pollsters predict like um, 27% for the conservative CDU, 48 hours ahead of the election. But then in the election, they actually um, got 37%. So what happened there? And it's a similar scenario um, on, on the federal level, also possible. More in general, is this like is there like a trend that that conservatives are more likely to get um, more votes than polling predicts? The situation in Saxony and Anhalt was very special and unique. Firstly, the pollster, I believe, Inza, that published a poll um, that showed that Christian Democrats and the far right at the time um, just essentially on the same level. I think they had some sampling issues, but that was not communicated in the media. So in the media, the impression was the Christian Democrats or the conservatives, as as you called them earlier, um, and the far-right AFD, they were just head-to-head. So a lot of voters from the center-left and from the liberals and the Greens, who would usually vote for other parties, said, wait a moment, we don't want a far-right uh, victory in our region or state. So they supported against their beliefs and they favored program. They supported the Christian Democrats. So there was this massive swing of essentially all democratic parties that, and they all went behind the CDU. In the upcoming election, the situation is quite different because we don't have the situation that the AFD could come to power. Um, and also we don't have a popular incumbent who could drive this uh, drive to one specific party against the far right as we had it in Saxony-Anhalt. So I would say Saxony-Anhalt and what's going to happen in Germany on Sunday cannot be compared. The CDU at the moment is really like pushing for um, for potential alliance on the left as being like the main factor for for, for gathering votes in, um, in the last weeks. So um, do you think that this could lead to, to a similar effect of what you just described in regard to, to Saxony-Anhalt? No, I would say that perception of AFD and the perception of Die Linke is quite different in the sense that AFD is really seen as the anti-system party nowadays. So we don't have that same drive uh, against an anti-system party, Die Linke or the left, just because the left is generally more accepted. Um, especially the logic you're applying here would be that we would see liberals and especially the Greens and the Social Democrats suddenly supporting the liberals and um, the Christian Democrats because they don't want to see a left-wing government that includes the Linke. But especially among the Green voters and the Social Democrats, there is not such a distaste of the Linke that they would necessarily enlarge a group suddenly support uh, center-right or liberal parties. So I don't see that same effect. We saw that in the context of this, as it's called in German, Red Sox campaign, which means a warning of a government that includes the Linke from the side of the Christian Democrats, uh, we did not really see that uh, the Christian Democrats gained a lot of uh, votes or, or percentages in polls. Um, they were just able to stabilize their support. So I don't think that will will be the same situation like we saw with AFD in Saxony-Anhalt. You already touched touched upon this, but swing voters, um, the number of swing voters is as high as never before. And um, 
party loyalty at the same time is in decline. So does this negatively influence the predictive capacity of of polling or or is it more difficult to to make an um, um, credible estimate? Yes, absolutely. So we've been seeing that party support drops or jumps by three percentage points uh, over the course of one or two weeks in the past weeks, right? So if we would apply this to the polls that are being published today, we could see that uh, a different party comes out on top just because the voters are shifting within a week by three percentage points. And it's especially difficult when new parties appear. And what is oftentimes also overlooked is that in Germany at the moment, the minor parties are incredibly successful. So those parties that do not make it across the 5% threshold traditionally are pretty strong at the moment. And a lot of them are new parties and pollsters have a hard time to estimate the support for new parties just because of the sampling methods. So yeah, indeed, because we have been seeing so many voters swinging from one party to the other and general party loyalty is declining, this makes uh, predictions and polling incredibly difficult. So we might see a surprise on, on Sunday. So what is about the undecided? According to a recent survey, around 40% of the German voters are still undecided. How do we factor this in the polls? Are we still like open for, for huge surprises during the election day where a completely different result will take place than what is predicted in the polls? Yeah, so if we look at the just the 40%, we could say yes from a logical perspective. But if we look at empirical evidence from past elections where the share of undecided was almost on the same level, no super big surprises um, happened during the elections. And I would also caution of taking that number of 40% too serious because keep in mind, some of those 40% will not end up voting at all. There's also another factor that might prove to be be important, I, I guess. It's multi- voting by mail during the pandemic. Around 40 to 50% of the German electoral will, will or already have voted by mail. So how does this influence the vote on Sunday? I mean, a lot of people already have voted. And is there, like from a um, polling perspective, is this a, a factor of uncertainty? Because there are no um, presidents, so to speak, at least not to this degree. There's actually an interesting question because it even has legal implications. Uh, the pollster Forza and the Central Electoral Commission just met uh, in court about the question because in Germany it's not legal to publish how voters voted before 6 p.m. on Sunday. So what's happening at the moment, we have a lot of voters who have already voted. They are asked, who would you vote for in an election? And essentially you ask them, who did you vote for? And then you publish the results as a poll, which in Germany, as I said, is illegal. Um, You would think that pollsters become better at predicting election results because they essentially ask voters after they've voted who they voted for. But we've seen in Rhineland-Palatinate, for example, a regional election spring where we also had a lot of mail-in ballots, that that was actually not the case. So the difference between the poll and the actual election result was just as big as it was in previous elections where we had a smaller number of mail-in ballots. And our time is up for this week. Oliver, thank you again for joining me today. I am Evi Chiori. And I'm Oliver Neuern. And this was Directives Beyond the Byline podcast. We will be back on your feed next week. Until then, subscribe to our podcast newsletter and visit youractive.com for the latest news. And don't forget to listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thank you very much for listening.